This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about structured settlements from experts across the U.S. Ringler Associates, celebrating 35 years of successfully helping injured people and their families. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Welcome to Ringler Radio, everyone. I'm Larry Cohen, the head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations, and again, glad you could join us. Well, today we have a risk management success story from the state of Georgia. And joining me today to help discuss all that is my colleague and co-host, Bill Wright, from the Atlanta office of Ringler Associates. Bill has 18 years of experience in financial risk management, claims, and the structured settlement industry. Well, Bill, welcome to Ringler Radio, and hello again. Thanks, Larry. It's good to be back with you. Well, why don't you introduce our special guest, Bill? Thanks, Larry. Our guest today is Chris Risley. Chris is the Director of Risk Management Services at the Department of Administrative Services here in the state of Georgia. And the story he's going to tell us today is about reducing the accident rate for Georgia's state fleet of vehicles by 25% over the last two years. Welcome to our show, Chris. Thank you for having me, Bill and Larry. Well, uh, boy, 25% over two years sounds pretty impressive. Let's Let's start, Chris, with the whole problem of, of all the accidents that involve state vehicles and all the lawsuits and claims, whether they're workers' comp claims, liability claims, personal injury claims. That's a big problem for you, isn't it, dealing with the, what, the area that you're, you're involved with? It, it can be a very big problem. It certainly, it certainly was a couple of years ago as we, uh, like, like the private industry, um, folks in this state have the ability to sue the state for the negligence of our state drivers. Uh, and, of course, like any uh, uh, business, uh, we have to provide workers' compensation coverage for all of our state employees when they're in vehicles on state business. You know, uh, before you know, before you came to Georgia, I understand you were in the Chicago area. Is that right? I've been uh, in in different areas throughout the uh, throughout the Midwest uh, and um, uh, Indiana. I've lived in Chicago for a while, uh, Cincinnati area as well. So let me ask you a question: Are the drivers in Georgia any better or worse than those drivers up in those other areas? Um, the difference between, in my estimation, the difference between traffic, uh, for example, in Chicago versus Atlanta, is that in Chicago, when you have a traffic jam, you pretty much just shut your car off and, and <laughs> sit for an hour. In Atlanta, um, we, we slow down a lot and we speed up a lot, and that accordion effect sometimes means um, uh, that cars uh, don't always work at the same rate, and they uh, tend to uh, have a lot of fender benders down they, here. They bump into each other. Bill? Chris, now you've implemented here for the state of Georgia a comprehensive risk control program. Can you tell us about the overall approach of that plan from a risk management perspective? Sure, sure. Um, our, uh, as we looked at our losses uh, when I uh, first joined uh, the program here in the state of Georgia, uh, the first thing we did was we analyzed our losses. What's causing us to have these accidents? And what we found was that we had uh, the majority of our claims caused by preventable behaviors um, that, that could be trained uh, out of uh, some of our drivers. For example, uh, rear-ending other vehicles or backing into parked vehicles or fixed objects 
was a significant portion of our claims. And that analysis led us to develop a program uh, because we realized even in one agency, when we trained them on how to adjust their behaviors, uh, that we could uh, uh, actually uh, reduce their claims significantly. So we thought, let's roll this out statewide. Well, why don't you tell us about the six main components of the program? Describe the components of it. Sure, sure. It starts with driver's qualification. And you might think that's simple, but in fact, that's fairly complicated when you're looking at a potential of close to 100,000 drivers. It's, It's making sure that those drivers have valid driver's licenses and also making sure that their uh, uh, their Bureau of Motor Vehicles report shows that they don't have uh, too many points on their driver's license or that, 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 that their driving record is a clean record. Next is driver training. Driver training is important because many of us drive uh, regular sedans or sometimes compact cars, but our work may require us to drive, you know, three-quarter ton pickups or 15-passenger mm-hmm. um, van. So it's important to be familiar with the vehicle that you're driving. The third is uh, the third part of the program is an ac- as an agency-level accident review panel, uh, and that's sort of a peer review. Um, it's taking the the same kind of evaluation after an accident that, for example, professional drivers like police officers uh, go through, and extending that to uh, all of the state's drivers. Um, what caused the accident? What can we do to prevent the accident going? These kinds of accidents going forward, uh, and in some cases, the, ac- the the answer is it wasn't our fault, which of course again creates some some awareness. The fourth component is vehicle maintenance. We discovered as we looked at our losses uh, over over an extended period of time that there was a small correlation to maintenance issues. Faulty brakes, um, uh, underinflated or or uh, uh, no tread tires, uh, and and believe it or not, uh, driving down the highway in the middle of a rainstorm, you know, occasionally we had some windshield wipers that didn't work right, and and those on occasion contributed to uh, auto accidents. Sure. Um, uh, finally, we thought, how are we going to look at behavior? on a regular basis before that behavior results in an accident. And and what we did was we reached out to the private sector to get a little assistance with some tools to allow us to um, engage in that portion of the program. And we actually worked with an organization called Drivers Alert to put bumper stickers on the back of about 16,000 non-emergency state vehicles, giving the public the opportunity to comment on a driver's behavior uh, before that behavior, theoretically, before that behavior resulted in an auto accident. And then finally, some incentives to get buy-in from agency-level management. Uh, each agency's management needed to support the program in order to uh, make it an enterprise-wide or, or as, as I like to say, an enterprise-deep mm-hmm. program so that from top to bottom, folks understood that this was an important uh, program and um, from a financial perspective, if you participated in all these components, uh, we would, as a as the Department of Administrative Services, waive deductibles and reduce insurance premiums uh, that are allocated to each agency based on their level of, of participation. Chris, in the bumper sticker program you're talking about, with the phone numbers posted on each uh, of the non-emergency vehicles, approximately how many calls do you get from those posted numbers? Um, 
surprisingly few. Uh, the, the the bumper stickers are, are are large stickers, and they say "Report my driving" with a with a large phone number on them, and then a vehicle ID number at the end. Um, we received just over two thousand calls in the first sixteen months of the program. Um, about eighty eight percent of those calls were complaints, but surprisingly. Um, about 12% of the calls were actually either positive comments or, uh, for example, in one case, uh, a member of the public called and said, I'm not sure you know this, but someone's got a door open and is pushing a car down the road, um, but it's a state vehicle because <laughs> I can see the sticker right in the middle of a theft. Other times, <laughs> it's things like, you know, your gas cap's op- uh, your gas cap is off or uh, you your taillight isn't working. So, it's a blend of calls, but the vast majority were actually complaints about the behaviors uh, exhibited by drivers uh, while on our uh, state's roadways. Well, what happens when uh, you get one of those complaints about a driver? What what happens from that point on? The the first thing that happens when after it's a complaint call is the program uh, driver's alert takes the call. They uh, record the conversation and also fill out a form. That form and a and a clip of the recording is emailed to the driver's supervisor, typically within the hour. Um, the, then the supervisor has on their email a copy of the form uh, outlining the details of the accident, the actual recording of the accident, and then a list of recommendations and links to, to training videos to, again, address the driver's behavior before that behavior um, uh, hopefully before that behavior results in, in, a, in an accident. Well, I, I may have an answer to why you don't get that many complaint calls because I, I was in a car once with my wife and the guy in front of me was another state, by the way, a guy in front of me was crazy and he had a sticker on the back with that call, you know, with that phone number. And I was about to do that with my cell phone when my, my wife said, don't do that. He'll find out it's you and he'll hunt you down. <laughs> so, so I said, okay, I'll just, I'll just be quiet. I'm, I, that may well, happen with other folks as well. Well, we do that. Um, we actually um, do uh, protect the driver's uh, uh, anonymity by not revealing the caller's information to the driver because we do believe that probably uh, – could be a concern, but yeah. in in fact that that information never makes it. That, that the only identification, the only identifying information is the the basically where on the roadway the other vehicle was at the time. Uh, but but quite often, while the name and the phone number are taken, they're taken simply to validate the call uh, because we we don't want a lot of people uh, you know making up calls. So. So that, that validates the call, but again, that caller information never makes it back to the supervisor and driver. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, that is. Chris, with this program, what impact do you see that it's had on the number of accidents and the savings for the taxpayers here in Georgia? We've seen actually a, a substantial uh, savings. Um, our average claim costs uh, are about uh, $21,000 per accident when you consider damage to a state vehicle, damage to a third party's vehicle, and also the potential injuries, not only to the to the other people, but the workers' comp injuries to our state employees. We believe we can, uh, with this program, reduce our claims on average uh, about 10% year over year. Uh, we're a little, we've had a, two years where we've actually had a little more success than that. Um, we've reduced our claims uh, over the first 
um, two years of the program by uh, just over 25%. So that's taking 50 to 60 claims per year out of the system. What is And what is 25%? What is that savings in, in dollar value? Well, that savings in dollar value is between 800000 and about $1.3 million a year uh, in savings to the Georgia taxpayers for for claims avoided. The best claim is, is obviously the claim that never happens. Right. Well, that's significant. That That's an amount uh, even greater than I expected. Well, let's take a quick break right now. And uh, in a minute, we'll come back with Chris Risley, Director of Risk Management Services for the state of Georgia. We'll be right back. This is Ringler Radio from Ringler Associates. Quite simply, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for 35 years. Ringler Radio is celebrating its sixth year right here on the Legal Talk Network, produced by broadcast professionals. Ringler Associates, the only broker you need. Listen to all the Ringler Radio shows. Just go to ringlerassociates.com or legaltalknetwork.com and click on Ringler Radio and choose a topic. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to all parties involved in the settling of physical injury claims. Experience counts. Over $23 billion in structures benefiting 166,000 injured individuals and their families. And one of the few companies that truly enjoys the trust of all parties in the settlement process. Did you know you can download Ringler Radio to your iPod? Just go to iTunes and subscribe to the Legal Talk Network. It's free. We invite you to listen to other shows on the Legal Talk Network. It's free at www.legaltalknetwork.com. Did you know Ringler Radio is one of the top three rated shows in iTunes? Thanks to all of our listeners who download all the Ringler Radio shows. It's the office calling again. Don't answer it. Why not? I'm listening to Legal Talk Network podcasts to get my CLE credit in West Legal Ed Center. Oh, yeah. I need to do that, too. Where do I find them? It's easy. Just go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and pick a program for CLE, click on it, and start listening. Or go to WestLegalEdCenter.com and choose from any of the Legal Talk Network programs available for CLE. That's perfect. The office can wait. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. Glad you're with us. I'm joined by my colleague, Bill Wright, and our guest, Chris Risley, both from the great city of Atlanta. Uh, Chris, tell us about the genesis of this uh, comprehensive program. What was it that uh, became the catalyst for you to even get involved in all this? Sure. Thanks, Larry. Um, We actually, uh, the the state engaged uh, a, a task force called the Commission for New Georgia, um, and this was uh, at the uh, uh, request of our governor, Sonny Perdue. The uh, Commission for New Georgia looked at several programs around the state, including uh, risk management services. Uh, this Commission for New Georgia made several recommendations, including bringing in uh, a, a classically trained um, uh, risk management professional to head up this program. Uh, they were seeing, uh, the Commission for New Georgia was seeing that there was a large uh, number of losses being handled by folks that, that, that 
perhaps didn't have all the expertise necessary to really drill down um, not only to handle the losses, but to work to prevent losses in the future. Um, as a result of that commission, uh, I was I was hired by the state, and and my first um, uh, the the first task that that we really wanted to address was our workers' compensation issues. Uh, at the time, our workers' compensation costs uh, were several million dollars uh, in the neighborhood of of sixty to eighty million dollars a year, and uh, that's that's a lot of taxpayers' money. As we looked at those workers' compensation costs and, and worked through our comprehensive loss control program, we got new authority uh, that uh, uh, called Senate Bill 425 that was passed unanimously in the House and the Senate and then quickly signed by Governor Purdue that gave risk management services the authority to influence agency behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got you know about 170 agencies, public uh, entities, uh, public corporations, and authorities uh, that employ over 125,000 uh, individuals uh, as state employees. And our injuries, uh, the worst of the worst, uh, uh, on a regular basis, were motor vehicle accidents. Um, and workers' compensation costs, um, uh, the analysis of our workers' compensation issues showed us that the one event most likely to lead to uh, death or a serious injury of a state employee while on state business was a motor vehicle accident. Um, that, coupled with our analysis of the frequency of motor vehicle accidents, led us to develop our comprehensive loss control program and really focus in on the causes of losses. Um, and then um, the savings sort of took care of itself as we as we. Uh, have affected change, affected agency and driver behavior, our claims have come down, and they've come down significantly. Um, and, of course, uh, that's just a, uh, just a straight benefit to the taxpayers of Georgia. Plus, it enhances the, um, uh, the overall uh, reputation of state agencies when, when you see that they're, they're yeah. doing uh, what they need to do and taking the uh, the responsibility to make their workplaces, sure. including uh, you know some employees whose workplace is their vehicle, um, to uh, to a higher level. Yeah, and sadly, as you know, uh, some state agencies around the country are not held in that high regard. So anything you can do to help enhance that is obviously a plus. Well, so true, Chris. We uh, we know you're the head of risk management for the for Georgia's Department of Admi- Administrative Services. But before that, you were uh, in the private sector. You were a claim manager with uh, 20 years of claims and risk management experience, not only in the private sector per se, but also in the not-for-profit sector as well. Give us your perspective on the difference between risk management in the private sector and risk management in the public sector. It's probably the the knowledge gap. I think that... um, uh, in some cases, when you're responsive to uh, when you're responsive to your stockholders, or you're responsive to a particular um, uh, organization, for example, a, a faith-based not-for-profit organization, there's a lot of emphasis placed on the human uh, the human impact uh, that uh, that your organization can have, um, and of course, the bottom line. In the public sector, sometimes the bottom line is not always uh, as easily defined. Um, in many cases, for example, 
uh, in the public sector, if your insurance premiums go up, you add that as an additional budget item um, uh, in your next fiscal year budget. In the private sector, when your insurance premiums go up, your bottom line gets smaller. Um, so th- there's a little bit of a disconnect on the financial, the direct financial impact uh, of of increased insurance and claims issues in the in the public sector versus the private sector. And I think that, um, uh, but but in many cases, uh, the private sector uh, can be just as responsive as the public sector when you implement these kinds of programs because the bottom line is you know each one of these claims uh whether you're a state employee or you're uh you know uh, some other public corporations employee uh, or or some other private corporations employee uh the impact is uh is still on those those individuals those those people our coworkers right but i, I would also assume that uh, in the private sector obviously yes, you're right profit would go down or perhaps prices would go up to cover the the loss in the public sector, do you find that by what the good work you've done, that maybe there's been a, let's say, a flattening of, let's say, licensing fees or other things that may have had to go up because of uh, the problems that before you came? I think that what we're what we're seeing is uh, is an overall uh, positive impact on uh, many agencies' budgets. Um, before. These losses were allocated to each of these agencies based on their loss experience, uh, and, and that's the way m- many public sectors deal with with casualty lines of business. Um, in in these difficult financial times, uh, reducing claims and and saving that uh, saving that money in many cases saves uh, a person's job. Well, you must you must be a pretty popular guy then down there with what you've been doing. <laughs> Well, uh, sometimes some agencies, uh, you know, some people are always resistant to change and and different ways of doing business. Uh, but in some cases, the, the important thing for us is when we do our job well, something doesn't happen. Um, unfortunately, sometimes that's hard to see uh, for a lot of people. And and so so I can say, for example, our loss control programs over the last two years have saved a thousand fellow uh, workers' uh, injuries. Uh, we've reduced the number of injuries over, over two years by a 1,000. Uh, that's a 1,000 people that didn't, you know, fall down a, right. a flight of stairs or have a car wreck, and, and, and three or four of those that would have perished, but for some of these programs. But those people will never know who they are, and neither will we. Well, that's, that's terrific. Yep, and that is significant. That's why it leads me to, Chris, to ask, what do you see as the reactions been both from the rank and file and from agency management personnel to this program? I think that um, the reaction's been fairly positive. Uh, a lot of folks um, actually had um, programs uh, but didn't have the emphasis uh, or didn't have the um, the awareness at a higher level to really implement a lot of their ideas. I think that any risk management program, especially an enterprise-wide risk management program like this, begins with an awareness, and that awareness and that engagement in the process opens a lot of eyes. And, and we've had some agencies that have taken uh, the, um, the program uh, and have really um, uh, made it their own, and, and that's the, the heart of the program. We don't tell each agency exactly what to do, but what we do is we mandate a philosophy of safety 
and suggest that they customize their own programs to deal with their own exposures. And many agencies really took that to heart. We had one agency that's reduced the number of auto accidents uh, in a two-year period by 79%. That means they don't have vehicles sitting on the side of the road or sitting in repair shops. They don't have workers sitting at home uh, who've been injured. Um, And their productivity has increased dramatically. Other agencies, sometimes it takes a little bit longer to sell those programs or to sell that kind of change because they don't always realize the impact. And, and, it, and it varies because we've got agencies as small as 15 people or as big as 10,000. Sure. Now, you know, saving money obviously is the, is the main factor here as, as well as, you know, obviously keeping people from being injured. But uh where do you see this program going in the future? I mean, you've done, a, you've done let's say, a, a terrific job to date. You've implemented this. What's next? Well, the next steps um, are looking at all the other exposures that the that, that state agencies um, face on a regular basis, um, improving um, uh, the facility safety, making sure, for example, in certain food service operations that we're um, improving the safety of the floors uh, because those are the kinds of operations that tend to have the most slip and falls, um, and uh, and those are the easy opportunities for us to come in and suggest, you know, let's let's use private sector flooring uh, technology to to eliminate that, or let's you know let's talk about um, uh, other systems uh, that have uh, uh, the potential for catastrophic mechanical failures. And let's take, uh, for example, a new thermography program that we've just created to help folks understand um, the impacts, the negative impacts of, of, of increased friction uh, or electrical arcing or, or inappropriate heat uh, in a mechanical system and, and how repairing that system before a breakdown um, is much cheaper than dealing with the catastrophic consequences after a breakdown. So, so it's really... A uh, progression of, you know, everybody understands because almost everybody drives a vehicle in this country and certainly in the state of Georgia. Um, the next step is, do you understand how to make your workplace safer in other ways? How do you address um, issues once uh, a worker has been injured? Those kinds of things. We, we we definitely have a lot of work to do and there's a lot of opportunity over the next several years to um uh, to bring the state up to uh, the level of the private sector. The good news is, from a total loss perspective, we're already there. Um, our loss rate, uh, injury rate, uh, is 4.84 this year. So that means f- just under five out of every 100 employees uh, across the state, uh, across state employment, have an injury. The state's level is 7.7. So for the state as a total, um, has an injury rate of 7.7%. That was our rate about three years ago. And, and we've already taken steps to reduce the number of injuries uh, and, and seen that kind of impact. We've got some more work to do, though. No question. That is quite significant. Chris, this sounds, as uh, is, is a taxpayer here, I'm glad for your innovation. And uh, what are you? where are you in relation to what other states are doing and are other states following your footsteps? That's a that's a great question, Bill. We are actually uh, I actually work with my counterparts um, through a national organ organization called Strema. It's the State Risk and Insurance Management Association. My counterparts in all fifty states are invited, and about 
35 to 40 states actively participate in sharing information um, uh, from state to state. Uh, several states um, have actually mimicked some of our programs, actually taken some of our legislation and have uh, created their own legislation. Tennessee is a perfect example. They uh, have taken our, our, our uh, job analysis and our return to work um, uh, programs as well as some of our auto programs and, uh, and implemented those uh, in their state. Uh, I don't think anyone's actually, uh, I think we're still the first in the country with bumper stickers on state vehicles uh, through uh, through our uh, Report My Driving program. Uh, but we're certainly uh, going to be sharing that information. We've actually been nominated uh, for a national award uh, in uh, an innovation award uh, in risk management because of the program we're talking about today. Well, Chris, I want you to make sure you rent, rent a good tux because <laughs> when you get that award, I want you to look good up there. Well, well, I appreciate it. There, Chris, listen, thank you very much for being with us. Uh, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, Chris, how would they do that? Uh, they, uh, the best way to reach me is um, uh, by email. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, the, I guess, the new universal communication method. Uh, my email address is Christopher.Risley at doas.ga.gov. Uh, or they can phone my office uh, at uh, area code 404-463-5458. And you can reach every Ringler Associate on ringlerassociates.com, where you could certainly find Bill Wright's name. And actually, your picture's there, too, isn't it, Bill? It sure is. Well, that's, uh, that's great. And uh, also, if you want to download any Ringler radio show, ringlerassociates.com, you can find them all, or go to legaltalknetwork.com, where they're also listed. You could also download Ringler Radio from iTunes, where you could actually have it uh, transferred right into your iPod. And then go jog around the park and listen to Chris and Bill and me, just like you did today. So listen, Chris, thanks for joining us and being with us today. Bill, thanks for being co-host. And for the rest of you out there, go have a great day. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network. Its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. In its sixth year on Legal Talk Network with over a half a million listeners, Ringler Associates, where experience counts. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to all parties involved in physical injury claims. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Prudential.